us to worship him at that time. I'm going to preach a message, preach a message today called Letting Our Guard Down at the Table. We're going to be observing communion, and you should see somewhere close by you, hopefully, a cup that has some juice in it. And right on top of that cup is a little waiver, and there are a couple different um, seals that you have to open. Don't take that yet, but at the end of our time together, we're going to ask you to do that. And I am very well aware that that is different than how we usually take communion. I think we've done this before here at Calvary in the past few months, but typically this is not how we take communion. And so that might be a negative for some people. I don't, I'm not sure if I like this. I've even done a test on those little things and you can spill that juice if you're not careful. So ladies, if you have your favorite dress or skirt on, or guys, if you have your favorite slacks on, be careful when we open that. I want to challenge us today to not be too distracted by this different mode. In fact, I want to go beyond that and not just ask you to not be distracted, but I want you to feel extremely comfortable coming to the Lord's table today. I want to ask you to let your guard down. I had the opportunity several years ago to have a, a Sunday off, and we didn't have any vacation plans and so oftentimes for a preacher who doesn't have plans on a Sunday and he's got a day off, sometimes what that preacher will do is he'll go and visit different churches. I had the opportunity on one Sunday several years ago to visit three different churches. And it just so happened that on the Sunday that I visited, all three of those churches observed communion. And all three of the churches did it in a different way. I want to tell you about it just for a moment because hopefully it will help us as we approach the Lord's table today. When I went to that first church, it was unique in that there wasn't really a person that was upfront officiating per se. I know there was a responsive reading in there a time or two. I think everything was laid out in a written form in a bulletin or a program. And then I found out afterwards that they observed communion every Sunday, every week when they got together. They had communion, but it was a little bit different than I was used to, so I wasn't quite sure when to, when to do the things that we do. I know what I'm used to over the years. I went to visit a second church, and it was very similar to what I was used to. There were some leaders that came up to the front, and they passed the, the plate with the wafer, and then the plate with the cup, and then the guy officiating said some things, and we took it. And so I was very, very comfortable in that communion setting. And then I went to a, a pretty big church, third service for the day, and I was taking in all kinds of stuff, but I was a little bit on guard. What's this all about? In fact, when I looked and saw in the back of the sanctuary, I saw tables set up, and I saw some wafers, and I saw some cups back there in the back. It wasn't in a, a, a form where they could pass it up and down the aisle. And so I was curious, and I worshiped in that service. All three of these churches preached the gospel of Jesus Christ wonderfully, so I felt very comfortable participating in communion with them. But at this last church, they had the, the song service, and then they had the sermon, and then at the very end, they gave an explanation of communion, and then, they, this, and then they prayed over communion, and they said, what we're going to do is play some music softly, and we want you one at a time just to get up and go to the back and take one of the wafers and one of the cups, and then come back to your seat and reflect and spend some time in worship. And then when you're ready, you take that. And when you're done, you're dismissed. 
Very interesting. Three different ways of doing communion. And I was, of course, as a pastor, super curious to see these different things. But yet I know there are several people of when we do something different, it kind of pulls us out of our comfort zone, doesn't it? It takes us to a place where, what's, what's going on here? I'm not quite used to this. As we look at 1 Corinthians 11, a passage that several of you have heard hundreds of times over your lifetime, I'm going to point out a few different areas that very possibly you've had questions about. Perhaps you've had some anxiety over one or more of the things that we're going to talk about today. But ultimately, as we come to the end and we ask you to take the wafer and take the cup, I want you to have your guard down. And I'm going to give us some practical tips for how you can do that. No matter if we're passing a plate like we typically do here at our church or if it's in a separate cup that's already there in front of you or if we do something else different. We don't want to do anything crazy. But of course, we want you to not have this time of coming to the Lord's table wasted. What a tragedy it would be to be able to approach this time of communion, the Lord's table, and have it a time that wasn't spent to the fullest. God wants us to have our guard down when we come to the table. And yet emotions can come into play. I understand that. I have had a variety of emotions over the years. I've seen some of the teachings from 1 Corinthians 11, and I've wondered what Paul meant when he wrote that to this church. Let me go ahead and just give you, if you're not familiar with the background of 1 Corinthians 11, this instruction that was given from the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth, it came as a result of them having some confusion and some problems in the area of the Lord's table. There was some offense that was being taken and given. Some people were judging others, and so we're not the first people to have some emotional differences when it comes to approaching communion. But how do we let our guard down? What can we do approaching the Lord's table so you can get the most out of it? Or maybe we should ask, what should my mind or what should my heart be thinking on? What should it be busy with during this time? We're going to give you a moment when some music plays softly for you to reflect And we're going to point you, hopefully, in a few different directions. Here's the first place that I see in 1 Corinthians 11 that Paul points us to. First of all, we need to take a look back. We need to take a look back. When we look at the Scriptures, look at the second half of verse 23 in 1 Corinthians 11. The Lord Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed, took bread and broke it and said... This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then look at the second half of verse 25. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul says you need to remember some things when you approach the Lord's table. And specifically, the two things that he asks us to remember are very familiar to us that have been around church for a while. It's the bread and it is the cup. First of all, when we look at the bread, the bread represents Jesus' body. 
What do you think of when you think of Jesus' body coming to communion? I want to share with you that the Lord Jesus Christ, when He came to that last supper and said these words, that His body speaks of His perfect life. The only one who has ever walked His entire life in this world without sin is the Lord Jesus Christ. Perfection describes His body. And perfection describes what God the Father must see in us for us to be able to worship Him in this way. You should be reminded when you participate by taking the bread that Jesus' perfect obedience becomes your perfect obedience. Let me say that again. Jesus' perfect obedience in His life becomes my perfect obedience. This is how we celebrate His body. And this is wonderful. And then next we see the cup. And the cup represents His blood, Jesus said. And the blood speaks of the ultimate sacrifice of His death. We need to look back at the spilled blood of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ, having no sin of His own, none, still died on the cross. And that was a sacrifice sufficient for you and for me. His blood was spilt in my place. Jesus bore our sins on the cross. We look back to that. Jesus took our place Having no sin of his own, what Jesus Christ actually does is he switches places with you and I. Which is not fair. It's not fair for one who is sinless to take the punishment for sin, to be crucified on a cross, having done nothing wrong ever. And it's also not fair for you and for I to experience forgiveness, to experience salvation to have help in this world, and to have a hope in eternal life. And yet Jesus Christ chose to trade places with you and with me so that we could be forgiven. He was our sacrifice. And through the shedding of His blood, He released forgiveness. First of all, we take a look back. And then we find, as Paul writes here, we see that we take a look within. You and I need to look within. Look at verse 27. Whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup in an unworthy manner, he says. And then skip down to verse 28, where it says, let a person examine himself. Now let me talk about this just for a moment. We're taking a look within. I know many of you have done this. When you come to communion and we have that reflection time, you might look at the wafer, you might look at the cup, you might look back, but then you also might look within your own heart. And if you're like me, you may have come to that point, and when you hear this word worthy, don't come in an unworthy manner. If you walk through that, when I've walked through that, I've never been able to come to that point and say, okay, I've done pretty good this past week, I am worthy. God's staring down at me right now, and He's saying, Good job, Jeremy. Good job. Past three months. You are worthy. Go ahead and take of it. 
I've never been able to do it. And I want to suggest to you that you have never been ever been able to do it either. You will never have a good enough day to where you are worthy to take of that cup. Never. Because when we define coming to this in a worthy manner, it is not us that we need to focus on. I feel extremely unworthy. But instead, God wants to say to us through the cup, God wants to say, your salvation does not depend on your worthiness. But instead, it depends on the worth of who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was worthy and he is worthy. And so what does it mean to participate in an unworthy manner? Well, let me suggest this to us. That means that you are coming to this time of worship that Jesus told us to do until he comes back for his children. You are coming to this time not bringing anything of your own to the table. You have nothing that you can bring to the table. But instead, it is all about Christ. And yet it says, examine myself. Examine yourself today. With an examination, that implies questions, right? I'm going to examine myself in just a moment when we do this. What questions might we look at here? Well, let me give two suggestions. First question, am I believing? Am I believing? This time of worship is not for someone who has not been born again. For those who have accepted Christ as their Savior, they are invited to come to this table. So the first question, am I believing? Or more specifically, do I believe in the Christ who loved me and gave his life for me and has forgiven me? And if so, then I invite you to be a part of this communion time. Another question we can ask is, am I repenting? Am I repenting? And I've tried to be intentional about that wording because nobody comes in a worthy manner and nobody is perfect. Maybe some of you have already blown it already this morning. Even with an extra hour of sleep today, you've already blown it this morning and sinned in some way. But the question to ask is, am I repenting? An ongoing process of our sanctification. And let me just get specific with us. When you're coming to this time, there's the idea that you are not holding on to anything between you and God. That's a question I would encourage you. And of course, you don't tell me yes or no. You don't tell anybody around you yes or no. You come to the Lord. And if there is a known sin that you are not working on, you are not trying to get victory over that, then I would encourage you to pause. Because if there is something, if there is a conflict between you and God and you are not actively working on making that right, then if there's that conflict, how can you possibly be in fellowship with God, which is what this time is, a time of fellowship. Let me give an illustration. Imagine that you have a special occasion. Either you and your spouse or you and someone close to you wants to go out and have a, a, a fantastic meal. And so you find out within driving distance what's the nicest restaurant you could possibly go to. And some of you might have that restaurant pop in your head right now. 
Where could I go and share a meal and have just the best time? And you know just the place you want to go. So let's say you dress up a little bit. You meet your spouse or your friend and you drive to that restaurant, maybe a bit of a drive, the anticipation in your mind, and you're excited about it. And as you go in, the ambiance is perfect. It's just low light and there's candles everywhere. You look around and people are enjoying their meal and their food. And then you go and you're seated at your table and the the host gives you a menu. And there's descriptions on that menu that you don't even know what they mean. Are they trying to confuse you by these deep descriptions on the menu? And then up to your table comes a waiter. And not just any waiter. This guy is sharp. He anticipates your need. He looks at you and he, and he explains some specials that are on the menu. And then he asks you some specific questions to try to point you in the right direction. And after a short time, it hits you. This is the best waiter I have ever seen in my entire life. And the waiter is sufficient to tell you everything you need to know and then he walks away. And then would it not be a tragedy for you at that point to close the menu, push your chair out, get up, and walk out of the restaurant? It would be a tragedy because you did not come to that restaurant to see the candlelight all around you necessarily. You did not come to that restaurant to meet the best waiter that you have ever seen. But instead, why did you come to that restaurant? You came there so you could what? Eat. You want to participate in that food. That is the main reason why you were there. And as we look at ourselves at a time like this, if you are refusing to allow God to have his way in any area of your life, what a tragedy for you to have opportunity to worship him through communion and not take advantage of that. And then the last direction, and more quickly now, that Paul points this church and points us is we need to look ahead. Look at verse number 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There is coming a day when our faith will be turned to sight. What a blessing that is for you and for me. I hope you have a song in your head that gets stuck, that talks about eternity, that talks about heaven. I had one just this morning that popped in there and I couldn't stop singing it for a short time today. And so if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would invite you to participate with us at this time. Would you go ahead and take the cup?